Welcome to the Magnificat Podcast. We are an international ministry to Catholic women. Throughout this series, we will pray together, share insights, and hear amazing testimonies, typically from women of faith who have been touched by the power of the Lord in their lives. This is a decidedly Catholic podcast, and in this series, you will hopefully learn more about the Catholic faith, God, the Blessed Mother, and much more. Thanks so much for joining us. Now let's listen to a great program. I'm so honored to be standing here today to be speaking, sharing my testimony with you. Uh, Born and raised in Hong Kong in a family with four girls, I'm the youngest among them. I was once a very shy, timid girl, <laughs> my friend there would know, <laughs> who grew up in a Catholic family and received Catholic education all the way from kindergarten to high school graduation. In my class of over 200 girls, I was the second most shy person after my very best friend. <laughs> During my childhood, my mom's relationship with Mama Mary and her confidence in Jesus' love have impacted me a lot. I still remember her saying, Mother Mary never fails to console her when she was sad and that Jesus loves us and we can trust him in everything. I came to Vancouver when I was 17 and started my post-education here. Most of my friends in university didn't go to church. I was studying computer science and realized that many people thought female couldn't excel in science and technology. So gradually, it became my life goal to prove them wrong. I did well in my computer and math courses. When I graduated, I got a few job offers in both public and private sectors. At that time, I wanted to prove to the world that female could do well in technology and career. I wanted to climb up the corporate ladder. So I took Masters of Business Administration part-time in the evening. With a full-time job in the day and four years of night school, I was immersed into the secular world and almost forgot about God. I only prayed when I needed something and attended Sunday Mass purely out of duty. With a heavy load at work and school, I was chronically lack of sleep. So on Sundays, I slept through most of the Mass. I was working towards the goal to prove to the world that female could do well in business and technology. I wanted to be somebody and prove to my bosses that I was capable. I received a special achievement award from a Fortune 500 company and was given stock options. At work, I encountered people who were very different from the ones I met growing up. It's a whole new world. I met many people who didn't have Christian values. They didn't have high ethical standard and were not shy 
to take your credits in order to make themselves look good. And I'm talking about they're taking my credit. <laughs> Grew up in a very sheltered environment, I was shocked to see others following a different set of principles and values, one that is non-Christian, one that is self-centered and is only interested in their own benefits. I was faced with challenging decisions on how I would live my life as a Christian in the world. I decided to walk on the fence. I told myself I cannot be too nice because people would step all over me. I said to myself, I may not help others like what a Christian should do or would do, but as long as I wouldn't hurt people, my conscience is clear. I decided to put one foot on the Christian boat and another on the boat of the world. I wanted to see if I could be both living a life of a borderline Christian and a successful career woman at the same time. I wanted to try it. That decision has slowly and gradually, gradually led me into deep darkness over time. I was in my 30s with a good career and lucrative salary. From the outside, I was doing very well. I had a good job. My boss and my customers loved me. I was also young and pretty. <laughs> I was pursued by guys. I was driving a sport car and wearing brand name clothes. Little did people know that inside me was deep darkness and emptiness. It had got so bad that I couldn't stay alone. I was either busy working or hanging out with friends doing things. If I was alone and had nothing to do, I would feel very empty inside and it was unbearable. Life was meaningless to me. I said to myself, I wouldn't want to have babies because there is no point to live in this life. Everything is but empty. If I were brave enough, I would have ended my life. But thanks God, I was too scared. I was too scared of the pain of killing myself. By that time, I had accumulated enough experience and some savings to start my own IT consulting company, which I had dreamed of. But I said to myself, why bother? I had seen co-workers who had been there, done that, and came back as an em employee. Some worked so hard that their wives ran away with their kids, and they were left devastated. Not because they had affairs, just because they needed to work long hours for the company only to survive and to avoid being laid off. I decided that there was no point to start my own business, as even if I made a lot of money, I wouldn't have time to spend it. So what's the point of working so hard? I drifted, living a meaningless life for a few years until God called me back to him. 
His heart broke to see me so sad and in such deep darkness. He came and showed me His light, and led me out of darkness. I met a very good Catholic co-op student at work. She told me she was going to sing in an evangelization concert and asked if I would go. Because I really like her, I went. During the concert, the songs reminded me of the time when I was closer to God. I was a bit touched by it, but shortly after the concert was over, I forgot about it. Then, on one Sunday, I was attending mass at Holy Cross Parish. A passionless priest, Father Claudio, spoke at the end of the mass, asking everyone to take a crucifix from the basket that was passing around. The crucifix was beautiful, so I took one because it's free. <laughs> it's a smaller version. I met him again. He gave me this bigger version. <laughs> he then asked us to look at Jesus on the crucifix and tell him why I couldn't attend the parish mission which he was promoting. Well, it's hard to say no to Jesus on the cross, so I decided to give it a try. I attended the first night. Father Claudio's talk captured my attention. He was a very effective speaker. At the end of the night, I was convinced that God loves me personally, and even if the whole world has nobody but me, He would still come down and die on the cross for me, so that I could enjoy eternal life with Him. I always know that God loves humankind, but I thought. God didn't care whether I was a human being or not. That night really changed my perspective. I was so excited to know that God's personal love for me. I had a boyfriend at that time. He was suicidal, so I thought if he come to the parish mission with me, he would have he would have hope in his life. So I invited him, and he came with me for the rest of the retreat. On the last day, Father Claudio encouraged us to go to confession. I had not been to a confession for ten years at that time, so I was scared and hesitant. But he gave an example. He said, "A confession does not need to be long. It could go like, 'Father, I have sinned. My last time I had confession was thirty years ago, and in the last thirty years, I stole, I robbed.'" I killed someone, <laughs> and that's a very good confession," he said. He said, "See, it took less than a minute." I said to myself, "Oh, I am not as bad as the one in his example, <laughs> <laughs> so I should be okay." So I went for confession. He gave me a penance for each wound of Jesus. Pray the Our Father. Hail Mary and glory be, in front of the big crucifix. It's um, this one, but in oh, um, but in a big size. It's a huge, huge size. So I went in front of the crucifix and prayed. As I was saying the prayers, my tears flowed out nonstop.
God made me realize that in the last 10 years, he had been pursuing me to go back to him. Whenever I was in trouble, I would pray to him. But as soon as the trouble was over, I forgot about him. I realized that it happened three times over the last 10 years. So at that moment, I told Jesus that I would not leave him anymore and that I would be faithful to him. The prayer was heard, and here I am today, still following Jesus closely. I had not left him since that prayer that happened 20 years ago. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> After my conversion or reversion, I remembered that I had organized volunteer work for my class in Hong Kong just before I left for Canada. I would like to do some volunteer work for Jesus. I was reading a business magazine and found an article on 12 Steps, a Christian program that has helped many addicts and alcoholics recover from their addictions. This article was in a business magazine. Why would such an article be in a business magazine? It has really nothing to do with business. But I guess that's how God works. I read it and thought the 12-step program is probably good for anyone to get closer to God. It would also be good for my boyfriend who was suicidal. Then I turned on the, the TV. It was showing a documentary of some volunteers in Hong Kong reaching out to the homeless on the street, giving them Christmas gifts. I said to myself, I want to be one of them. After that, I opened a parish bulletin that I picked up from the cathedral and saw a new recovery house for women. They are looking for volunteers. They are looking for people who are counselors, people who have experience with 12 steps. Right away, I thought if I volunteered there, I might be able to learn 12 steps to help my suicidal boyfriend. So I picked up the phone and called. The person who answered was very professional. She asked me to tell her something about myself. I told her, my background is in computer science and business. I really don't have anything that you, that you ask for. Then I told her, but I have love. <laughs> Bingo, I got the right answer. <laughs> so I was invited to come to their retreat for the weekend. I'm sure it was the Holy Spirit who inspired me to say that. Weekend is usually busy for me. But it so happened that I was available that weekend. My boyfriend agreed to go with me. So we both went. I was so excited to see and talk to those volunteers of the street ministry. To me, they were saints. They were living the Bible out in their lives by reaching out to the street people. At the end of the retreat, we were invited to the new recovery house the following week. We went to the house and rang the doorbell. A young woman came and opened the door for us. She was very friendly and kind. She was about the same age 
and she had lived in Hong Kong for a few months. So we have lots to chat about, like dim sum, chicken feet. <laughs> At first, I thought she was a volunteer or a staff. Finally, we realized that she was a resident there, recovering from addiction. She shared with us her story, how she grew up and how she became addicted. She was sexually abused for years by people who were supposed to protect her when she was a child. I thought if I were in her shoes, I would end up just like her. Her story deeply grieved me. I kept pondering on her stories for days and weeks. I asked God, how? How comes the world is so unfair? I and my circle of friends were so blessed. We grew up in loving homes versus she and her friends grew up in broken families and suffered childhood abuses. I kept asking God the same question, but got no answer. I thought if I am so blessed, the least I can do is to give back. So I faithfully go to the recovery house to play board games with the women every Friday after work. It was a huge sacrifice for me because Friday night was my night to rest and wind down and have fun. I gave up all that because I wanted to give back. After doing it for a while, I realized that I found my meaning in life in my volunteer work. I became a different person. I became alive. I was no longer sad and feeling empty. I gained a lot. My eyes were opened. I could see things more clearly. Spiritually, I grew in maturity as well. I could see the emptiness and meaninglessness of my old life, living for myself, spending time to satisfy myself. It is only when we give and serve others that we are truly living. I experienced that firsthand. Then I started using my work hours to do ministry work to a point that I felt guilty of doing that. I felt I was cheating my employer by using the company resources for my volunteer work. I decided to quit my job and become a full-time street missionary. However, my spiritual director didn't agree. He asked me to bring Jesus to my workplace, bring Jesus to my meetings with my customers, I tried, but I didn't find Jesus working there. I found Jesus working in the lives of the poor, those in recovery. But I stayed in the job because I would like to be obedient to my spiritual director. At about the same time, I took a life in the spirit seminar. On the fifth week, I was prayed over for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It was on that night that I wanted to devote my life serving God. I started discerning religious life with the poor Clares. I was invited to spend a weekend there for a come and see. 
During the retreat, I felt God called me to go to China. I knew that if I go to China on my own, I would not be able to see anything, as the church was being watched closely. I needed to find the right connections so that I would be able to learn something as I visit the churches there. My purpose was not to go there for sightseeing. My purpose was to go there to visit the churches and see what God wanted me to see. I tried to make connections through a priest who referred me to some religious sisters, but nothing came out. Then I remembered I had a customer who adopted two children from an orphanage in China. So I thought if I couldn't find connection to any church in China, I would go visit an orphanage. My customer was delighted to know that I was going to China. He got me connected to the orphanage and entrusted me with some donation to give them when I got there. Then, at a lunch after a funeral, I sat beside a person who suggested me to contact Caritas Hong Kong, which is like development and peace, because she thought Caritas organized tours to China. So I looked up on the internet and found the mainland China contact of Caritas. I sent her an email, and shortly after, she responded. She asked me which part of China I would like to visit. I said I would go anywhere, but I need to go to that city where the orphanage is, because I need to give my friends donation to them. She responded, saying, "Okay." Very quickly, the trip was planned, and she sent me the itinerary. I thought I was going with a group, but when I got there, I found out it was only the organizer and myself. She was willing to organize a special trip just for me because she knew nine sisters. They are going to make final vows at the time I planned to go, and the orphanage so happened to be in the same city where the sisters live. She was planning to go there anyways to see the sisters making final vows, but because she organized this trip for me, I paid for her trip. <laughs> she didn't need to spend a cent. Talking about coincidence. It's really God's incidents. The amazing God has planned it all. God's timing is perfect. It cannot be better. And it is what happened when I allow God to be the center of my life and follow the Holy Spirit's prompting. When I arrived in China, I was given a room inside the convent, which is attached to a parish. I heard there is a paralyzed bishop living there. He was imprisoned and was released in the eighties. He became a bishop while, for a while before he became paralyzed five years ago. I asked if I could see this holy priest. So the next day, I was brought to see him while he received communion. As we were walking towards. His room. I thought, what should I say to console him? He has been through so much suffering. 
When we entered his room, to my surprise, I saw a very happy person. He looked so happy as if he had just won a gold medal in the Olympics. I couldn't believe my eyes. His whole body was paralyzed. Fortunately, he was still able to have facial expressions. He could no longer speak. His, he moved his tongue to welcome me like, like this. I was introduced to him as a visitor from Canada. After a very short visit, we left. As I was about to exit the door, being skeptical of his joy, I turned my head to see if he was still happy. You know, a lot of times at my office, I greeted people and we smiled and we looked happy, but as we walked past each other, they would stop smiling and the true emotion surfaced and they usually look sad and anxious, right? So before I left his room, I wanted to find out if his joy is genuine or not. When I turned my head to look at him one more time before I exit, I saw him still very happy despite being paralyzed and left alone in his room all the time, all day long. Except, so the, uh, at that moment, I believe the Holy Spirit's promise is true. Holy Spirit's there consoling him. That would be the only reason. His joy is his medication to cure my doubt about God's promises. My faith grew exponentially. I flew back to Canada wanting to quit my job. But just to be prudent in a worldly sense, I applied for a one-year leave of absence, giving my employer three months' notice. It was approved. As a way to prepare myself to be a full-time street missionary, I was ready to head to Italy to do an experience in a recovery farm, living with the addicts in recovery for a few months. I wanted to mention that by that time, my spiritual director had moved to Alberta because of his health issues. So I no longer had a spiritual director. Remember, I mentioned that I would like to be obedient to my spiritual director. So since he moved, I was free to make my own choices. In my heart, I had wanted to quit my job, but my mind had held me back. My mind told me not to quit but just took a leave of absence so that I could still go back to the job just in case. However, God's plan is not my plan. His way is higher than mine. Three months had passed. I had booked my flight to Italy to the recovery farm. I was all ready to go when my boss told me the bad news. Human resources did not approve my leave of absence. It was out of everyone's expectation, and my boss did not know why it was not approved. Without thinking twice, I quickly typed up my resignation letter and pressed send on the computer. So, so the letter was sent to my boss. No one at that time would leave the company on her own. People left usually because they were being laid off. I had been with the company long enough that if they lay me off, they would have to give me a huge severance package. So no one in the right mind would leave the job that I was in. I was in a really good position. However, God's will for me is to quit my job. He didn't want me to have anything to fall back onto. 
He wanted to save me from looking back during difficult times and went back to my old life. That reminded me of the Bible verse in Luke 9, 62. Once the hand is laid on the plow, no one who looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. God has given me tons of graces to have such a strong desire and love, joy, to leave my work and to serve him in the poor. I used to like to be in the bleeding edge of technology. I used to like playing with the latest technological gadgets. I used to like to try out the latest software product, even before it becomes popular in the IT world. In my days, the word dinosaur is used to describe those who used old technology, the technology that has become obsolete. I knew if I quit my computer job, I would become a dinosaur in five to 10 years. And I'm a dinosaur now. <laughs> I knew I would still be using the same computer which had become obsolete. And I would have to give up flying as I won't have the as I wouldn't have money to travel like before. In my work years, I have been to different parts of Canada and the state, as well as different countries like New Zealand and Fiji and Singapore. I knew I would have to give up shopping for brand names and I wouldn't be able to afford to go to movies or nice restaurants. My living standard would drastically change. I knew all that I had to give up. Basically, everything I used to love. But with God's grace, I couldn't wait to step into this unknown world of being a full-time street missionary. It was not me who was able to do it. It was totally because of God's grace that I was able to follow his will and change my life completely. I was open to his grace. By the way, God actually didn't take away everything. I was still able to fly. After I changed my life, I flew to Germany, UK, Philippines, Hong Kong, and also the States and Toronto. So after I turned my life to God, I became a full-time street missionary in a recovery house for women. Life started to turn upside down for me. I wish I could say everything goes smoothly, but no, life just turned upside down. I had never had any major bad things that happened to me in my life. But after I decided to serve God full-time, bad things happened. I had a failed marriage, only lasted 40 days. And I was thinking of going into it for life, but it ended in 40 days. I got kicked out of a recovery house as a house parent. And I thought me and my husband moved into the recovery house and worked there, but then I got kicked out and I had no jobs to fall back onto. <laughs> it all happened in three months. When I was in IT, I was pursued by companies, my employers, like me, I was sought after unexpectedly because I probably didn't do well in house chores or I was not given a, any reason at all. So I was asked to leave the recovery house. My marriage broke down when I found out that my newlywed husband, who was supposed to become a full-time missionary with me, didn't even like to go to mass. My big ego was broken, but it was broken for a good reason. 
I was probably too proud to receive all the graces that God wanted to give me. I was humbled so that my heart would be more ready and open to receive his graces and blessings. Looking back, the difficulties I faced were blessings in disguise. Despite all that, my faith grew up, came out stronger. As by then, I had first-hand experience of God's providence and that he would never abandon me even in my lowest point in life, secular world's viewpoint. Having been in very dark, meaningless, and lonely place before my conversion, God had prepared me to understand that nothing could be worse than living a life without him. So even though it was difficult, with God's grace, I did not even have a second thought of going back to my old life with a professional career. I continued to pursue God's will. I continued to do street ministry. That's how I started St. Mary's Street Ministry about 19 years ago. We have reached out to a countless number of people on the street, providing them with emotional and spiritual support as well as prayers. We have hundreds of prayer partners, praying for many of them every day for over 10 years or more. My prayer partners, I believe some of them may be in this room, will see the fruits of their prayer when they go to heaven. God has also healed people through me and my ministry. I have seen miracles in front of my eyes. A street person who was bent over received my prayer and right away he was able to walk straight. Not only that, he told everybody around him and started sharing how he came to know Christ, evangelizing in front of our eyes. My volunteer and I were astonished. Praise be to Jesus. <laughs> Another homeless person came to us and asked us to pray for his good friends who is in the hospital. We prayed just a short prayer. A few weeks later, he ran coming to us saying the prayer worked. His friend is now well. I also prayed for a young homeless woman who had a swollen ankle. The swell disappeared in front of our eyes. One time, a young woman whom we had been supporting relapsed. She had not gone back home for days. She was using drugs on the street and stayed overnight outside using. Our priest and our team joined hands and interceded for her in the parish office. The next day, she returned our call. She told us that last night she was using drugs and was not planning to stop, but she didn't know what happened. She just stopped and went home. It was the time when we prayed for her. Praise be to Jesus Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I have seen the Holy Spirit moving powerfully in the lives of the street people, healing them and setting them free. There are many stories that show that God's love is unrelentless. A former homeless man who had been using drugs and alcohol for 40 years has been clean for 15, got married 10 years ago to a very devout Christian, and will now become a pastor in a Christian church in Mexico next year. We met him about 15 years ago. He was in a detox center and he called us to pray. 
Since he turned his life to God, he became a Christian poet, writing a Christian poem a day for many years. A former street woman, whom we met when she was pregnant, called us for help. She went for confession, finally decided to keep her baby, and got cleaned from drugs about 15 years ago. She is now working in a shelter for Aboriginal mothers, providing support to them, and she now has three children in her care. There are many stories to share, and if I have to share them all, it would take a day. In 2016, I have started Catholic Street Missionaries, a registered charity in the province of British Columbia, developing young adults to become street missionaries full time. It is a young adult street ministry, like St Mary's Street Ministry. We reach out to the homeless, addicted, prostituted, and those suffering from mental health issues. We provide emotional and spiritual support to them. We also accompany those who are open to us and would like to change their lives. Guess what? It has been in my heart for 16 years to have a community of street missionaries. That desire never fades. During the last 16 years, following God's lead, I had entered a contemplative and charismatic conference for a year, and then He called me out. Looking back. I think God had wanted me to learn to slow down and pray in silence. Then He called me to make private vows, which I did. My perpetual vows were made in 2016, just before I started CSM. Now, Catholic Street Missionaries Society has about 20 active volunteers and two full-time street missionaries. I wish to have a community of consecrated street missionaries. It was such a big dream. I was so shy to share that dream with others, because I was afraid that others will laugh at me or think that I have had this spirit of grandiosity. But now my fear went away. I don't care how others think. I know if God wants it, it will happen. I still do not have a community yet, but I think it's because I'm not ready. God has to do a lot of work to prepare me. It could also be like how I went into the convent, thinking it was for life, but little did I know that God only wanted me to be there for one year to learn contemplation. Regardless, I learned to be humble. And I will continue to follow my heart to walk towards the direction of a community of consecrated street missionaries. Even though sometimes I feel like I'm like Noah building an ark on top of a hill. Before I turned to God, I was always very busy. I was the type that think everything should have been done yesterday. I was running around like a chicken with its head cut off. I was always in a rush. I was anxious, impatient, and couldn't be alone by myself because of this unbearable emptiness in my heart. Many times I couldn't sleep well. I didn't have peace. After I turned my life to God, He started molding me gradually. I slowed down. Now I love to be in silence with God. I take my time to pray and discern before starting new initiatives. I try not to rush.
Whenever I didn't know what to do, I pray and ask God for guidance. I am much more patient and gentle than before. I sleep very well at night, except when I forgot to bless myself with blessed oil and holy water. Yes, I do use the sacramentals every night because the enemy do tries to oppress me, giving me bad dreams or bad thoughts if I don't. Even though temptations could be hard at times, causing disturbances in my heart, it doesn't take much to regain my peace and joy through spending time with God. I now live a very simple life. Before, I was a shopaholic. Now, going into a shopping mall feels like penance for me. I stopped shopping for clothes, period. Before, I watched all the good movies that were showing. Now, I only watch religious movies at home. I stopped going to cinemas and expensive restaurants. I usually eat at home, and I only go out to eat if it's related to ministry. Sometimes we do take street people to go for coffee. Very rarely do I eat out now. I spend a lot of time praying and the rest of the time doing ministry. Even though my life is very simple, I wouldn't go back to my old luxurious life. I now have God in my heart all the time. Jesus is my spouse. I have God at all. Hallelujah. <laughs> As Marianne Jane said, he is the pearl of my great price, and I would give up everything for him. So when Mary Jane mentioned that scripture while she's introducing me, I said, yes, that's the scripture passage that's always in my heart. He is really the pearl of great price to me. At the beginning, I told you that when I graduated from high school, I was the second shyest girl in a class of 200. From that shy girl to where I am now, standing here to tell you my testimony, my ministry on the street, and my deepest heart desire. What has God done? <laughs> May he be glorified. May he be glorified in my life. And that brought me to Luke 146. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For the Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He is the porter, and, the, and I am the clay in his hands. Please pray for me that I will always be a malleable clay in the hands of the Father. And are you ready to commit your life to God? I'm asked to lead you into praying the commitment prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, I come before you as I am. I am sinfulness and in my weakness. I accept you as my Savior and my God. I surrender to you and commit my ways to your ways. I reject Satan and all his evil works. I reject the ways of this world and the ways of the flesh. Cover me with your precious blood. Release in me the fullness of your Holy Spirit so I may live my life magnifying your name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this Magnificat podcast. Have you been touched by our time together? 
If so, for more information or to find a Magnificat chapter near you, go to our website at magnificat-ministry.org or visit us on social media. We would love to hear from you. You can also email us at magnificatcst at aol.com or call 504-828-MARY, M-A-R-Y. Until the next time, may God bless you.